we need to see the results of our last episode. Mm-hmm. So as in what I have done with what you brought and what you have done with what I brought? Yeah. I mean, that only makes sense. Yeah, did we, um, did we convince each other? And out there in Listenerville, did, did we convince any of you? I certainly hope so. Um, I guess I'll go first because you sort of did um, convince me. I didn't start watching Common Rider Geats, but I did start watching Common Rider Kuga, Ooh. which is a much older Common Rider. Mm-hmm. But apparently, yeah, like I was reading about it, and it was like the eight, it's like the eighteenth. Yeah, writer. It, it's considered the first writer of the modern era. Mm-hmm. Because the other writer writer shows were in the seventies and eighties, um, and then like throughout the nineties, it was a bunch of movies. And Kuga was the. It's probably one of the most iconic common writers. It's the the grand return. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's really it's very interesting. I mean, it looks like it was made in the year two thousand. Mm-hmm. Um, the CG effects um, are pretty humorous. Yes. And also, overall, I just feel like it kind of has a dark tone that I wasn't really expecting. Um, it sort of has a little bit of a horror flavor. Um, a little. Just with the monsters. And there's a lot of murdering going on. Um, and then a little bit of like a police drama mm-hmm. also. Because um, one of the main characters is like a police detective. Uh, I think it's like Ichigo. Yeah. I, I've only seen a bit of it. Um, but he, you know, he has big, like, secondary character feeling to me. Mm-hmm. Will he become a writer? I don't know. Could be. I could tell you, but I won't. I mean, I suspect, but I might be wrong. Um, but then the main character, he definitely is sort of that happy-go-lucky type that you were talking about. I mean, in the first episode, he gives his business card, and it says professional dream chaser mm-hmm. on it. And he's just like... His big revelation in the second episode of like, I need to be this hero. He's like, I don't want to see anyone cry. I only want to see people smile. So I'm going to defeat you, you vampire monster. Um, and I was like, oh, okay. This is a thing. Mm-hmm. This is a thing. And it helped me realize too, because I've been playing a lot of Octopath Traveler too. Mm-hmm. Um, and all the character stories in that game, like they're really good. Like all eight of them. Um but you know, there's a lot of lot of tropes, like the brother of the um, new king who was ousted in the coup by his older brother, mm-hmm. trying to reclaim the throne. The man who was um, like framed for the murder of his wife and child, and now he's seeking revenge against the man who actually did it. Um, but then there's this character whose name is Agnia, and uh, she's just kind of like, I just want to see. I'm a dancer, and I want to see the world smile. And I'm just like, okay, this is pretty lame. But then I was watching Common Rider and I was like, oh, this is just a thing. Mm-hmm. And it kind of helped, it helped kind of make me appreciate it more. That's just not really, a, I just usually think of that as like a cheesy thing. And maybe it is, but it's like, oh, this is just a, this is just a trope. Just like anything. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, you know, I love, you know, a good primrose from the first one who's a dancer out for, you know, revenge. Mm-hmm. Um, against the cabal of people who ruined her life. Um, I love that. Don't get me wrong. But, like, someone who just wants to make the world a better place, I love that, too. Uh, it's just very funny how her character slots in with the others. Because it's like those, there's a character who's like, I'm going to go and rid the world of poverty. 
Um, oh. There's another character who's like, can't remember her memory, but, or she doesn't have a memory, can't remember her memory is a very super redundant phrase. Um, but she knows that there's a group of apothecaries like her who there's a story that they went crazy and like massacred a bunch of people. And so everyone's like afraid of her. And she's like, I have no idea why. I just want to help people. Um, but there's like this dark mystery going on. Um, yeah. And it's just like all these very, very in- kind of intense stories. And then I just want to see people smile. But my favorite character in the first one was the merchant um, who just wanted to see the world. Mm-hmm. Yes. I think you like the merchant in the second one. He's the one who's wanting to rid the world of poverty. Awesome. Love that. Um, yeah, it's a trope. Um, and it's a trope that a lot of a lot of main writers fall into for sure, um, to varying degrees. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, common writer Saber is a good example of this, where like it's definitely like a uh, happy go lucky common writer protagonist, um, but he's an author. Um, and he just wants to inspire the world to dream. To dream. That's good. Like, with with like stories, and he's constantly like talking about the power of story. As you should. Good job. <laughs> good job, Saber. So they, they, they take different flavors, but yeah, happy go lucky is is pretty common for them. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, so you're starting pretty far back. Um yeah. will you continue? With Kuga, or are you going to move on to something more modern? I don't know. I'm kind of enjoying it. I've yeah, only watched I the really, first two episodes. I had watched an entire season before I tried out Kuga, um, and I was shocked by how much I enjoyed it. Yeah, it's, um, again, it's like surprisingly a bit dark, like darker than mm-hmm. I was expecting. Um, like in the first episode, there's like this mo- Spider Man monster. He's mm-hmm. just like tearing up all these police officers, and there's like blood. And he's just like smashing them into cars and through windows. And it's like, oh, wow. Like Power Rangers would never. Mm-hmm. At least what was aired over here. I don't know what the Super Sentai. Uh, Sentai is still pretty. Um, yeah. I Yeah, Kuga. I was surprised how much. I want to go back and watch Kuga. Um, I'm trying to finish what what's called the Reiwa era. Uh-huh. Um, named after. They, they consider different eras of the show based on who's emperor at the time. Uh-huh. Um, uh, your uh, Kuga is the very first episode of the Heisei era, um, which is almost all of modern common writers. There's only one, two, three, four, four shows that aren't, there's only four modern common writer shows that are part of. Makes sense. So you're at the, you're at the very beginning of it. Woo. It's good. I'm enjoying myself. What about you? Um, I got Torchlight 2, um, which I haven't played, and Borderlands 2, which I started playing yesterday. And? Um, I enjoy it. It's, I don't know how far I'm going to get without someone to play with. Uh-huh. Um. That's very true. You, we have Switch Online. I bet we could play together. Yeah, that's possible. Um, yeah. I might try, because my, my wife had surgery yesterday. Um, yesterday. Uh, and I might try to get her to play with me. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know if it's going to be her cup of tea. She's not really played video games. Yeah, it's a great couch co-op. I don't feel like my wife, I mean, she did, but not that style. But she's like mm-hmm. super into it. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. Um, we also got Yoshi's Crafted World to play together. So, uh, Yeah, that's a little bit different. Yes. 
She thought it was very cute, and she loves Yoshi. So, mm-hmm. but I don't know if it's still the case. But Chance said that the Borderlands Two collection was like ten bucks on Switch. Yeah, it was all th- it was all three games. Um, I think it's not the handsome collection because that's only the pre sequel and two. No, this, but this one was also, one also. This one included one, um, and it was nine bucks. And nice. I already had four bucks of Switch coins, so. Yeah, so you can't really beat that. And if it's still going on and you're curious, you can check it out. It's a pretty low, low uh, ceiling. Yeah, yeah. Low entry for sure. Um, Level of entry. That's the phrase I was looking for. Bar right. of entry. Yeah, it's uh, it's been fun. I haven't had the time that I wish to, to dedicate to playing, but mm-hmm. I was playing right before we jumped on this call. Nice. Um, well, there you have it. An update. There's our update. Um, so I was, you know, people listening to this probably know way more about the writer strike than the writer and um, SAG strike than we do. Um, but while I was researching it this week, um, a whole bunch of lists of uh, the SGA's demands came out. Uh-huh. This is my this is my update on the strike. Um, and one of them that everyone's been talking about, like, that I feel like. One of the like big like kind of almost apocalyptic seeming demands. I don't think I mentioned this last week. I think I learned it like right after. But if I did, you can stop me. Um, is that basically they wanted assurances that AI won't start to replace people? Mm-hmm. Some somehow it came up that one of the plans of the studios. Did you hear this? I don't think so. One of the plans of the studios is basically to like for background actors to like scan their likeness and then reproduce it with AI as permanent background actors, like in perpetuity oh. like without, without paying. Them. Gross. So you like hire them for, for a day and you have a background actor for like an entire for, series for eternity. Um, and they don't get anything about that. And they, one of the things they're asking for is like, Hey, don't do this. Yeah. Don't do that. And um, it, there's like little notes about like counter offers that um, the producers group made, and that one was that one. The note that next was like completely rejected. It's like, whoa, that is so wild. Yeah, and like what's crazy is I was seeing some stuff, and apparently Netflix like market valuation they lost like eighteen billion dollars, I think, mm-hmm. because of what's going on and um apparently that money would have paid for everything that the writers and actors would have been asking for for the next like over 30 nearly 40 years paid for all of it yeah and they just lost it um it's wild support support all the labor strikes going on right now yeah there's almost one in um broadway Mm -hmm. from like the stage text but it got like they reached a deal like Um, last minute yeah it was like Friday it could have gone out, and it was like Thursday. They're like, we did it. We reached a deal. Did UPS end up settling, or are they going on strike? I have no idea. Um, anyway, there's a big movement of labor right now, and you really should support it. Like, why would you side with these billionaire assholes? Yeah, there's like, there's no reason for it. Yeah, I, I mean, it is so, like, obvious to everybody that they are just catering to stockholders who don't care about anything except for the myth of eternal growth. Mm-hmm. Um, and those people, they should go bankrupt. <laughs> like, screw this. Yeah. 
they don't they don't we don't they don't benefit us um so yeah support support workers rights support people mm. people over stockholders who are also people but you know it's a different thing but yeah yeah i mean i'm totally fine if stockholders like are invested emotionally as well as financially mm-hmm. and actually like care about the people at stake but if it's just a number on a page to you and people have to suffer for that number yeah that's part of the problem so well that's that's a that's a quick strike update um update. like i said this isn't comprehensive co- coverage of the strike but every week we're going to talk a little bit about it to you by the Screen Actors Guild of America unless someone real and the Writers Guild of America unless someone real decides to sponsor us this is Boy Meets World Fever and I'm one of your hosts Cameron and I'm your other host Chase. Sorry I corrected you right in there. I just think feel like people are forgetting about the writers cuz the pretty people struck. Yes, the beautiful people. Silence fives a ten is speaking. <laughs> yes. I, actually that is the energy we like to bring here. We're that tens. is the energy? Yeah, yeah. We're yes. tens. Everyone who's listening is a six. and uh, I'm an 11, actually. Oh, that's why we get to speak if you don't. But uh, that's, that's not true. Um, <laughs> all of our listeners are beautiful. Like, I'm a six at best. <laughs> um, you know what? I have a, I have a ten wife um, who loves me. So I don't really care what I am. You're a 10 by association. (laughs) I feel the same. Um, So, yeah, I'm a number. I don't know what it is. You choose. Mm -hmm. I would not choose for you. Uh, But here we are. Here we are. Another week. Episode 2, Boys Mm -hmm. Meet the Writer's Strike. Whatever we decided. Hollywood Strike. Oh, yes. Or Nonstruck Media. I forget what I named the episode. Either one. This is good. Whatever it is. Um, yeah, it was just, it led to kind of a fun week of, well, I'll just be honest, a fun day, because it was just today that I got on it. Um, but it's just discovering something new that you introduced to me. Um, and I can get off my back about watching that stuff. Oh, I will. You'll never, because I'm in, I'm in. Um, but we're back again with some yeah, more stuff. Back, back again. We're back. back again. I don't know that song. That's so sad. This should come as precisely zero surprise to anyone. Yeah. Um, yes, but if you're just joining us this week for the first time, you're probably super confused by the cold open. Um, <laughs> like, what the heck are these guys talking about? And they're starting to talk about these strikes and what's going on. Um, just as a reminder, because, again, maybe you just forgot from last week. Uh, we are not currently covering episodes of Boy Meets World. Um, just during this time of the strike in Hollywood from the Writers Guild and the Actors Guild and all the guilds. Um, I mean, the guilds rise up. Um, but we're instead just talking about various non-struck media or unstruck, I don't know, the correct nomenclature. 
Um, but that means we're usually talking about maybe shows or movies from other countries, talking about video games, books, just all sorts of stuff that is not currently um, considered stricken. Yeah. And um, I, I think it's important just to reiterate, no one asked us to do this. Like we aren't doing this because like we feel we need to. We're just like, hey, there's a, it, we're entering a time where media is going to be drying up. Um, at least like the traditional U.S. media. Mm-hmm. And like there's a lot of great stuff out there. We want to discover it and we want to help you discover it. Um, and just really like it, we, we shine a light on a Disney show like in Disney, one of the wealthiest companies ever. Mm-hmm. Um, With the douchiest president ever. Yeah, no joke. Um yeah, I we, went there. We shine the light on um, on them like every week. And just at this time, um, whether we were supposed to or not, because we don't know the rules, um, we're just not right now. They don't call us the bad boys podcast and for nothing. We Even when we know the rules, we ain't following them. We blaze <laughs> our own true. trail. We're excruciatingly explicit. <laughs> I'm a professional dream chaser. I just want to see you smile. Yeah. Um, who started last week? I did. Okay, so it's you I, this time. Should I start? You should. Okay. I don't know what you're bringing. And I don't think you know what I'm bringing. I don't know what you're bringing. I'm very excited. This is exciting. Um, I decided um, that I was going to highlight a new, newish podcast. Oh. Um, and uh, I, don't, I don't know what your relationship to this podcast would be, Cameron. Um but maybe this is more for the listeners. Maybe. Um, so uh, I'm going to have kind of a buildup to talking about this podcast. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, a story that Cameron knows fairly well. Um, but I love media. Um, we have this podcast about a piece of media. Um, I'm a nerd. I love video games. And, and he Japanese loves television. the liberal media, too. Am I right? <laughs> yeah. yeah I, I do. Help me, I do. Um, CNN, it's my jam. That's what we're promoting today. Uh-huh. <laughs> That's not true. CNN's That's not new true. podcast. <laughs> um, but um, probably my primary like hobby. Um, so much so that like I spent most of my adult life until the last five ish years pursuing it as a career is the Bible. Mm-hmm. Like you know, yeah, was the book for thee. Um, it's probably like, I've, I've read it probably every day for over 10 years at this point. Um, it's, it's probably my, my number one thing. Um, and, and if you're like, oh no, I'm turning it off of it. Don't worry. I'm not going to proselytize to you. I don't even really believe in hell. Um, I, yeah, it's kind of one of the things, um, where I started in a very conservative, like would have definitely proselytized to you place. Um, and kind of became kind of a worst case scenario for someone that used to be like me in that, like, I'm someone who's super biblically literate, um, who loves the Bible dearly, who just doesn't believe a lot of the stuff that, um, the tradition I used to be a part of holds. Um, and and I, and Cameron knows this, that that was a very lonely time for me, Mm -hmm. um, and, and a fairly aimless one. Um, cause what I had basically spent my entire twenties pursuing, um, wouldn't have me anymore. Um, I couldn't, I couldn't be a part of it any longer. 
Uh, and that was lonely and hard. Um, and then during the pandemic, um, I found some people who made me feel less alone. Um, during the pandemic, I, like many other people, got on TikTok. <laughs> um, what a time. TikTok and Animal Crossing. TikTok and Animal Crossing. And um, I didn't get it. TikTok was not something I understood for a long time. Um, but then I found a creator that I really liked. Two, actually. Um, one, his name is Aaron. Um, and I can't pronounce his last name. But if you go to A.H. Bible um, on TikTok, um, you can find his stuff. Which is really, it's all very excellent. Um, and the other guy's name is Dan McClellan. Um, and Dan is a uh, Latter-day Saint in who like lives in Utah, went on Latter-day Saint mission. Um, but he has a saying that, you know, faith is one thing and knowledge is another. And like he puts the data over the dogma. Um, and by this point, I read a lot of biblical scholarship um, just because it's the only place where I found like, I, I found engaging. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so finding the scholar who was like, talking to the public and like giving book recommendations about like scholarship and data um, was really impactful for me. Um, And um, I followed him. I've followed him ever since. Um, I don't think he's right about everything. Um, Who is? Yeah. Yeah. Um, But his whole kind of shtick, um, this is all a big preamble. I know his whole kind of shtick is you can believe whatever you want. Like he doesn't have a problem with you believing it's when your belief starts being used wielded as an authority against other people that the problem arises does that make sense Mm -hmm. so like you know dan would probably say it's a bit ignorant to um dislike homosexuality because of the bible but he would be perfectly fine with you believing that um but when you use the bible as a weapon against that community or a person of that persuasion, that's when the problem starts arising because there's, there's, that's a total dogma. So data over dogma. Um, and the data is one thing and the dogma is another. Um, anyway, he recently, I think it's only three or four months old, started the data over dogma podcast, mm-hmm. um, which is basically, um, it's two guys named Dan, which is very funny. Um, one of them is like your pretty classic internet atheist who's like most of his life was spent dunking on Christians who discovered Dan's content and, um, really enjoyed it. And it really spoke to him in a way of like, oh, this isn't like nonsense. (laughs) Um, this is like well thought out and there's history and context that I've never understood before. Mm -hmm. So it's basically Dan explaining the scholarship of things Dan and other um, scholars explaining the scholarship of the Bible uh, to this, this lifelong atheist. Um, It's really interesting. Um, There's lots of really good stuff. He gets um, really just excellent scholars like Francesca Savarkapulu, Bart Ehrman. Of course. On, um, Oh, you, you've got a day goes by that. I don't think of Francesca Savarkapulu. Her book on um, the history of the personification of God's body is mm-hmm. like, oh, it's so good. Um, Duh, you don't have to tell me. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, so it's it's a really good podcast um, just for information. Um, 
there's a there's a scholar that I've been following lately. Um, she used to be a, a CCM, a contemporary Christian music artist. Um, uh-huh. which, which one? Her name is Elizabeth Schrader. Doesn't ring a bell. Um, she had one really big song about Mary. Mary, um, did you know? Not that one. Her. Um, Elizabeth S-C-H. Schrader. I found her. I'm finding the song. Schrader Polkser? Yeah, I think she's gotten married, but she, when she was singing, she was just Elizabeth Schrader. I'm just looking this up because I'm curious. Yeah, you grew up in that culture. You've probably heard her. Scholarship. Who cares about that? She appeared on Gilmore Girls? Oh, she did. Yeah. Yeah. She has multiple albums. Yeah, I'm, I'm trying. I, I wish I remembered her big song. Um, it was on... It was in like 2011, something like that. Yeah, I am just not. I'll bet Spotify can tell me what her most probably song is. Mary and Martha? Maybe. That doesn't ring a bell. Anyway, um, she was a, um, she was like the CCM artist who started researching Mary and is now um, our number one textual critic on the book of John. Um Textual criticism is the study of the text itself, not about like its history or its transmission, but like the manuscripts we have. Mm-hmm. Um, she like categorizes them and studies like the manuscripts themselves, not the theology within them. Um, and I've been following her for a while because um, her dissertation, I guess, I don't know if it's still called a dissertation after you've gotten your degree, but I guess it doesn't matter. Um, is Whatever you call that. It's on uh, how no of our earliest manuscripts of John, which John is one of our most attested books in the Bible, but of our earliest manuscripts, not a single one of them portrays Martha the same way from text to text. Um, Like sometimes, sometimes it's Mary and Martha. Sometimes it's just Mary. Um, Sometimes, you know, um, uh, what's his name? Lazarus is the brother of Mary and Martha. And sometimes it's just Mary's brother. Um, and Martha, she calls Martha unstable within the text. And, um, and she has a theory. Um, and this is real scholarship. This isn't like dogma. No, I got a theory. Theories become, theories are what it is, you know? Uh-huh. Um, she has a theory that Martha wasn't in the original story. <sighs> um, that Martha was added one to bring the line more in in uh, bring the book more in line with Luke, who has the story of Mary and Martha, uh, and uh, Martha's running around the house and Mary's learning from Jesus. That whole story. Mm-hmm. Um, one to bring the the story more in line with that, um, and two because um, three very important things happen in in the book. Um, Martha in the book of John is the first person to confess that Jesus is the Messiah, mm-hmm. the Christ. Um, she's the first person. Pretty big to, deal. Huh? Pretty big deal. Yeah. Yeah. She's the first person to see the risen Savior and the first person to witness about the risen Savior. Um, or Mary is both of those. But if Mary suddenly does all three, she becomes a much, much bigger part of the story. It's true. Um, so. You got to have all three. Well. Instead of being in two verses, she's suddenly a soul character in six. Um, so she becomes 
honestly almost as prevalent as Peter is in the gospel. Anyway, she, you can read all about this if you just Google um, Elizabeth Schrader um, and look yes, at her that's style. why that popped up. Mary and Martha was because of that, not because that's a song. Yeah, but it was the song about Mary that actually led her into studying it. <laughs> and it was not Mary, did you know? Because that was Chris Lowry. Um, yes. Who was a totally different person. Not Chris Lowry. Is it Chris Lowry? No, Chris Lowry. Mark is Lowry. Boss. It's Mark Lowry. <laughs> Chris Lowry is your former boss. Um, but I don't think he ever was, actually. I left. Oh, that's probably true. Uh, but in their June 26th episode of Data Over Darkness, they talked to Elizabeth Schrader, and that's the episode I would recommend. Oh, okay. Um, just because I think it's really interesting. Um, well, what did they talk about? Something different, I guess, than what you no. just said? <laughs> no, but you'll actually hear it from... You'll, you'll hear it from someone who's like, her job is this this kind of scholarship. And you'll learn like what textual criticism is. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's really good. Um, the most recent episode is also really good. It's maybe a little bit more contentious. It's about uh, the usage and development of hell throughout uh, Mesopotamia. Um, but yeah, that's just... I want to highlight that podcast. If you want to learn a little bit more um, and not like be spoon fed what to believe, but just learn like this is what this is what the data is and the scholarship is. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's really interesting. Nice. Yeah, I've listened. I haven't listened to any of Data Over Dogma, but I know you recommended the the Bible for normal people. Mm-hmm. Is that from the other guy? No, um, I found them. Uh, several years later, but I do love Bible for Normal People. I'm just already talking about it. Yeah. Something, it was an episode, I feel like it was about, I don't really remember, Genesis, basically. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Where, like, especially like Judah and all of those things that happened within Genesis. Mm-hmm. Well, um, yeah, yeah. Pete's whole thing is that Genesis is a story about the monarch. Uh-huh. Um, just written as the story of Israel. Yeah. I thought it was really interesting and not like, I can't speak for the one you're talking about, but it wasn't too like, I just can't follow any of this. And I don't think it was just because, you know, I've grown up within that culture, but I just feel like very nicely explained. And yeah. Yeah. Uh, Data Dogma and um, Bible for normal people. They're like mission. Their job um, is to explain things to people in like, I mean, it's called the Bible for normal people because they're like taking the like high ivory tower learning. It's for normal people, and and, and making it for normal people. Um, I will say that my wife struggles with with uh, Dan McClellan uh, his use of words because he uses like very scholastic words. Um, but luckily, he's got that that great co-host who's like, I don't know what that means. Tell me what those words are. <laughs> You used some words there that were puzzling to me. Yeah. So um, it's really good stuff. Um, if you have any interest in this kind of stuff, or even if you don't, but you just want to kind of learn more about it, um, it's really good. Yeah. Thank you, Chance. What a wonderful recommendation. I wasn't expecting that. Because I'm actually bringing something called Data Over Dogma. Oh! I was listening to. Um, no, no. I'm not. Um, no, I'm not. I'm just not. But it is funny that you mention a um, LDS, Latter-day Saints, um, uh-huh. the Mormons and all of their things. Because I'm bringing some stuff from a Mormon guy today, too. It's 
It's boys meet Mormons. Boys meet Mormons. Um, so let me get out my. Oh, that was some pleasant audio. I'm sure. Um, but today I am bringing my favorite. I think I, I think I can say favorite um, book series that I want to get chance to try to read. It's Brando Sandow. It's Brandon Sanderson. The Stormlight Archives. No one can see this except for you, but I have four massive tomes. He does. Here in my hand. Tome is the only word that you could really use to describe these books. Um, Because they're big honkers. And I just wanted to bring them out and throw them on the table. Uh, Yeah. So I just need to let... a couple of big honkers there. Yeah. I mean, let's see. What are we looking at? I mean, over 1,200 pages. Easily. I'm being child. Big honkers? Yes. Big honkers. Yes, I think I said that. Um, yeah, I want to talk about these books because I think that they are great. Um, and I think story-wise, what they do and what they're a part of in Brandon Sanderson's larger body of work is just so fascinating to me. Um, like you all out there listening probably remember, what was it, 2018 with Infinity War? And they were like the most ambitious crossover of all time, whatever the tagline was. And everyone just made fun of them for that Um, because it's a comic book movie. Like comic books are all about crossovers. There's no ambition. That's just what it is. Um, It's probably the most expensive crossover. It's definitely that, but (laughs) certainly not ambitious. Um, I would never use the word ambitious to describe anything really that's come from the Marvel universe um, yeah. that's, not, that's not what we're here to talk about they're enjoyable mm-hmm. but that's all they are and that's fine um but brandon sanderson if you want to know more about him as a person don't go read wired's article about him because <laughs> it's terrible i think we've talked about it on this show before um yeah. but he has this like larger body of work that he calls the cosmere Um, And it's essentially like this massive timeline of a lot of the books that he's written and how they're all kind of connected and they share this world. Um, But the threads aren't always very apparent. Um, And sometimes they, you might not even realize they're there until you know what you're looking for. Um, I, yeah, I, I've read an entire series of his called uh, Mistborn era one and two. And apparently it has things that I just have never caught. You just yeah, you don't catch on to. Um, and that's fine because they're enjoyable in their own right. But when you take it into the larger picture, it's great. Um, a little background into the Cosmere, the m- kind of main inciting incident. Uh, you can think of all these books taking place on different planets. And you can think of that because that's what's actually happening. Um, but a, kind of the initial inciting incident is there was this god over this universe or whatever. Um, And something happens that broke him into 16 shards that are all like attributes of himself. So you have like ruin and preservation are two of the attributes, which if you've read Mistborn, you've definitely run into those. Um, Things like honor, cultivation, and even some things like odium or hatred, Um, the kind of these different aspects of him that kind of take on their own, um, God of themselves that kind of embody this aspect of this larger God that they all broke apart from. Um, and these different shards ended up on these different planets and allowed essentially the, the different places to use different magic systems based kind of on 
whatever the shard of God was about, what sort of their whole deal was. Um, and so all the different books and series have different magic systems, but I'm going to talk to you about my favorite, um, which is the Stormlight Archive, um, which I think is his kind of grandest work. If you didn't know, maybe you've heard of the Wheel of Time. This is for people listening. I know Chance has. But the Wheel of Time are these like this massive fantasy series, and the author actually died before he was able to finish them. Um, Robert Jordan, he, he passed away. Um, and Brandon Sanderson was kind of a student, I think, of Robert Jordan. And he stepped in and using the notes and all the things that Robert Jordan had left, he ended up finishing those books. And if you know anything about those books, they're also big honking books. Um, and so this is kind of his like, well, the I did first two are extremely boring. Also that. Um, I think I've read like the first eight and I just couldn't, I couldn't continue. No, I got two in and I was like, I can't do that. Um, but these are not that way because I feel like they're written in a way that's much more engaging. Chance might disagree, but... We'll get to my thoughts later. Okay, but the elevator pitch for this, this is a lot of preamble. The elevator pitch of the Stormlight Archives is what if people with mental illness got superpowers? Okay. <laughs> that's it. It, it, it. I mean, it's so good. And I mean, each, each of the books... I mean, it starts out with a very small focus, of course, and then over the course of the books, it really spins out into something really big. Whereas before, like kind of the, the inciting incident for these books is you have this kingdom called Alethkar that their king has just kind of waged this big war to unite kind of the 10 different little kingdoms under his rule. Um, and some things go down and he ends up being assassinated by this guy called the Assassin in White. Um, and he seemed to have these magic powers um, and could do all this crazy stuff. Um, and that ends up leading the people of this kingdom out to this area called the Shattered Plains. And they've sworn vengeance and they're going to work together to defeat these people that murdered their king. And now here we are like five or six years later where they're just like not really entrenched, but they're certainly still at war, but just not really into it. Um, they're more about like making a lot of money um, and just competing with one another. Um, and in comes this guy named Kaladin, who he He's is. Like nine feet tall. Huh? Who's like nine feet tall. Kaladin, nine feet tall. Uh, He's just going. a normal dude. He's just a normal dude. Uh, enter our first um, mentally ill person. He's depressed. Um, but I feel like it's a really good like picture of depression because it's not like he gets his magic powers and then everything's good. Like he still struggles a lot. Um, in later books, he actually it kind of invents therapy. Um, he invents therapy. Because <laughs> every, every everyone's like, well, these people are crazy. So the thing that we need to do is put them in a dark room by themselves. So they can't like be overstimulated and can't have any problems. And he's like, what if we don't do that? What if we like sit and talk about our problems and try to work them out together? And they're like, you're crazy, but you can try it. And so he does. Um, but this main character, Kaladin, he is with this group of people who are kind of at the end of their rope and really helps them to, to continue to keep on living um, and thriving and succeeding in life. And you have another character who's trying to steal a powerful magical artifact from the king's daughter. Um, she's kind of um, on her own sort of mission. Um, and everything, it just it all just weaves together in such a great way. And I feel like at the end of every book, 
something happens that just like flips the whole thing on its head and you're like, oh, none of the things that I really thought was going on are going on. Um, or maybe they are, but there's this different tent to them. that now you can kind of see the clearer picture and it's like way crazier than what I thought. Um, and it, I just, I just feel like they're really great, great characters, excellent characterization, gigantic magical swords, um, and yeah, cool magic. What else? Love can, it. What else can you say? Um, this is a thing that Cameron has actually convinced me in the past to start. Mm-hmm. Um, I've struggled with like it, huh? I said, but he gave up like a quitter. Yeah. I I've realized in in the last few years that I really do struggle with Brandon's writing. Um, I don't think it's bad. I just think there's and and this is actually a fairly common criticism leveled at him. Mm-hmm. Um, there's like a a dimension of like I don't know description maybe um, uh, that that I I struggle not having. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think a good example of this is he has a kind of a more middle grade series called The Reckoners. Yes. Um, and I really like the first two um, because I connect really strongly with the main character and his mentor. Um, and, and, and with that connection to those two, I'm able to kind of, um, I don't know, ignore some of the writing problems that I have. Mm-hmm. Um, but the third one was a struggle for me. I would agree. Um, it was a struggle. And, and, and I think it's just because those characters that I liked, um, uh, those characters that I like don't, um, they aren't the same in the third one without getting giving any spoilers. Um, and without that connection, I just really had a hard time getting into that one. Um, with, uh, I will never ever go back and read the first three Miss Bourne ever again. Uh-huh. Um, I like the ideas that are present in them. I love the imagination. I love the world. But I just can't do the writing. Um, but in Miss Bourne Era 2, there's a character named Wayne that I just love. Mm-hmm. Wayne's great. <laughs> um, I love him, and I love his um, connection with his partner, Wax. Um, so... Because of that, I can ignore a lot of the writing problems again because I have that connection with that character. Mm-hmm. Um, and I am certain I would get there with Kaladin. Um, I have just struggled to get to the point where I care enough about Kaladin mm-hmm. to like enjoy the writing. <laughs> no, I mean, I get that. I know that is a pretty common criticism of Brando Sando, is his. Not his writing is bad. It's just he—he's got a unique style, um, uh-huh. and it's, and it's going to click with some people, and it's not. I mean, it's clicked with a lot more people than it probably hasn't. I mean, there's probably no more famous sci-fi fantasy writer that exists, save maybe King. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's a totally different, different ballpark. Yeah, totally different thing. Um, um so yeah, I, I get that. Um, but yeah, I've 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 struggled. Um. That being said, you should definitely give it a shot because the people who love it, they just absolutely love it. And if you are a person that's like a 1,200-page book, like that's massive. One, you're right. Two, there's an excellent audiobook. Yeah, I've, I've tried the audiobook more times than I've tried to read it. I've tried both. Mm-hmm. But the, the readers, they hate you. There's two. I forget their names. Oh, there's a man and a woman. 
Um, cause through the first book, it kind of goes back and forth. There's a, there's a few more characters, but it mostly focuses on Kaladin and Shallan, who is mm-hmm. the aforementioned female character who's trying to steal, uh, from the princess more or less. Um, and so they kind of go back and forth where the guy's reading the Kaladin chapters and the, the woman is reading the Shallan chapters. But I think they're both just, they have really great, um, like, you know, sometimes you listen to an audio book and you're like, this person, I don't like it. Um, I think they're both really good at their job. Yeah, the production the production is really high quality. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think, <laughs> I think, honestly, one of my bigger problems with all Sanderson books um, is prologues. He really loves his prologues. He does love a good prologue. And some of them are very long. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, and, and, and most of the time when I'm reading, I get halfway through the Cameron mentioned it, the man in white's assassination. I'm just like, I don't, I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> it's so I, exciting chance. It's not, you don't know who anyone is. And most of the time you don't even really know what's going on. They're using a lot of words that you're not going to learn until halfway through the book. Okay. Okay. Whatever. But something I, interesting with these books is because yes, in the first book you have that scene where the king is being assassinated in the second and in the second, third and fourth book. And I imagine in the fifth book, whenever it comes out, he like revisits that night, but from the perspective of a different person that was there and kind of what else was going on and just like peeling back the layers in just this really interesting way, um, which I think is really fun. Yeah. And I, I, I'm on record. I think Brandon Sanderson is very talented. Um, I think these books are are probably great just because I've struggled with them. Doesn't mean uh, you shouldn't listen to them because I or listen or read them because mm-hmm. um, I am probably wrong here. You are wrong. No, we you can have different opinions. It's not a big deal. Yeah, I I really just think it's a writing taste thing for me. I like the taste, and I recommend them wholeheartedly. Yeah, I've gotten several other friends on them. I, I am certain I will try them again someday. We have a week. I will be checking in in one week, one week's time when we record this again. To see if I try it again. Uh-huh. Um, I did just finish Legends and Lattes, which is a delight. If you that is such a good book. Let's just talk about that one. <laughs> um, this is a one that we both agree on. If you, maybe you don't like epic fantasy all that much, dear listener, um, but maybe you're curious about the genre. Um, you can't do much worse than Legends and Lattes, just in general. Because um, it's kind of like, this is what happens after the hero stops heroing. Um, mm-hmm. Kind of our main character, she gives up her life uh, as an adventurer and opens a coffee shop yeah. in one of the main fantasy cities of wherever she is. Um and it's just kind of the trials and travails of this character running a small business. Yeah, and it, it really is. And like, it's so freaking good. There's, there's like, you know, one of the most surprising things is there's like a dude in the town who's like asking for protection. And like when I did it, I was like, oh, this isn't as cozy as I thought. It doesn't end in like some big, like, flashbang way mm-hmm. like any other book would do. It, it keeps it cozy. Yeah, it really does. It's just like <laughs> extremely charming. There's a little bit of conflict, but yeah. it's not like now I must take back up my sword and go and do this and this and that. 
Um, yeah, it does not. It does not go where you think it will go. And I'm just so grateful for it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I got it a while back, and I started it on the plane home from my trip, and uh, I finally finished it. Nice. Yeah, I read it last year, about last May, I think. But it's excellent. Yeah, most excellent. I think there's a sequel coming out. Um, I I will read that. I don't know if it's um, exactly a sequel. Um, Book Chops and Bone Dust, it's called. I I hope it keeps cozy. It says it's a prequel. Oh. oh. Don't know how I feel about that. I just, I think Legends of Monte struck such an incredible balance for me that I'm, I'm almost like, it almost, like when my son tries to hang off things that are really high or over water. Uh-huh. I'm like, oh, that could go just, oh, just an inch more. And this is gonna, this is gonna be completely ruined. It looks like this November. So we'll have to check that out. Bookshops and bone dust. Maybe, it, maybe it's about the shop where she first found coffee. I don't know. Well, I just have to see. What's the character's name? Um, Lattes. I don't remember their names already, but they rarely stick with me. Uh huh. I'm just looking it up. Oh, yeah, it's Viv. It's the same character. Um, like a half orc woman. Or an orc woman. Yeah, she's she's clearly the barbarian, which is my class too. So, mm-hmm. but what what happens when a barbarian opens a coffee shop? And yeah, I feel like the thing I just really liked about that book, because I mean, you know me, I'm just a stickler for like neighborhood, like this is our community kind of sticking together kind of stories. You know, like friendly neighborhood Spider Man level stuff. There's a reason he's my favorite. Um, and it, I feel like it just really scratches that itch. Yeah, I see that. Yeah, so it's worth checking out. If you're like 1,200 page fantasy book, four of them, I don't know about that. This one's like 300 pages, um, and it's very cozy. Yeah, no, it's it, it, it's it's a real fast read. I did over half of it on the plane, um, and then got busy when I got back, um, but finally went back and finished it, and was glad I did. I'm glad you did too. Um, I have been on just a. A, a craving desire to read some space operas lately. Uh-huh. Um, and I'm having trouble finding good ones. So if you've got any recommendations out there in Listenerville, let me know. What's a good yeah. space opera? I feel like I've not read a whole lot. Would um, Leviathan's Wake be considered a space opera? It doesn't quite feel it. like it. It's a little too much like hard science fiction. Yeah, I'm okay with hard science fiction. I mean, I kind of want like lots of planets. Mm-hmm. But like... I feel like Leviathan Wakes does a good job of like there being lots of destinations and cool ships. Uh-huh. Um, so. But I do like faster than light travel. Yeah. I, yeah. One of the things I'm pretty, I'm, I'm Jones and Force some aliens. Uh-huh. So if any of you out in Listenerville know any good space opera books, hit me up. Yes. Um, one last thing that I want to talk about, because it's something we've talked about on this show before. But our beloved Brotato just got an update. Oh, yes. Um, and I just feel like it just, it. I mean, it drew me back in. Um, yeah. It's there's lots of cool new items that really. Cool um, new classes. Price things up. Yes, some new classes. What was that? Uh, oh, an ad started playing. Mm-hmm. You're watching videos during our no. beloved podcast? No. I was looking up space opera. <laughs> Because I thought we were done. 
Uh, no, because we are not done. But Bertato, it's got some super cool updates. Um, I finally beat Danger Level 3. I'm at Danger Level 3. I haven't tried to beat it yet. Danger Level 4 was really hard, um, but I think I can I do it. I beat all, almost all of the Danger Levels the first time with the Ghost. Uh-huh. Um, and I kind of feel like I shouldn't do that again. Because, like, I get it. I know how to do the ghost. Uh-huh. Yeah, I'm just the multitasker, and I get 12 sticks, and I just wail on everything. That's a good one. That's a good one. The one time it really worked the best is I got an item that really boosted my lifesteal, um, which makes a difference because I'm hitting so much because I have 12 sticks. Mm-hmm. So it was like lifesteal and attack speed and dodge. Um, I've been trying real hard to beat uh, danger level zero with the brawler. It's very difficult. Mm-hmm. Most melee stuff is really hard, unless you're the multitasker with twelve sticks. Mm-hmm. I really like um, oh the one that does more damage when he's moving. Speedy. Yeah, I like him with the new lance weapon. Uh huh. Makes makes a big difference. Yeah, uh, really gave him a, a a much needed boost. But those are the things that I brought. Do we have any listener mail? We don't really have any listener mail, uh, and I'm not going to read it all. <laughs> Um, I'm just going to read the first one of these. Um, people have been talking about wrestling a lot, um, which I have made a dedication. I'm going to try to watch some independent wrestling on YouTube, uh, and try to get into it a little bit. Um, just cause we've got so many listeners who, um, who love it so much. Um, I'm going to read Majin Silva's original post cause we asked him to weigh in on, wrestling during this time of struck media Mm -hmm. Uh, and then if you want to see the whole conversation people are having um you can go to our twitter yes which Um, you should do anyway and follow us there yes you should um but here's what majin silva has to say when people think of wrestling what do they usually think of the action the spectacle the glitz the glamour wrestling is basically a soap opera for men wrestling has something for everybody you want comedy? There's a ton of comedic style wrestlers like Orange Cassidy and Don Hausen. Don Hausen? Sure. sure. Uh, sorry if I butchered that. Um, you want hard hitting strong style? There's Japanese and Can- Canadian wrestling for that. You want high speed, high flying style? Check out Mexico. Uh, but most importantly are the storylines, the characters. That's what draws you in. Um, and. Now, for the first time in a long time, the wrestling world has a ton of options to check out from the various indie promotions, and then he emphasizes go support them, um, to promotions in Japan, Mexico, and even Europe. Um, And finally, uh, we have promotions in the United States, like the WWE, the old reliable for many, ROH, sure. Is that Ring of Honor? I don't know. That's what I think that means. It could be not that. Yeah. Uh, Reign of Heroes, I like to think, but is that Reign with an R E I G N? Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, the ever surviving Impact Wrestling NWA, straight out of Compton? No. Okay. New World. Um, there, that is a, a older wrestling. Okay. Thing. MLW and of course new Upstart companies. Um. And, of course, the new upstart company that's only four years old, but it, business is booming, the AEW. Oh, I think I've heard of that. Uh-huh. Um, and if you reach out uh, to Silva, he'll even recommend some matches for you to see. 
Um, so uh, we have quite a few wrestling uh, fan listeners. Um, I'm not sure how that happened. I love it. Love you guys. <laughs> Sorry, we're idiots. You're like you're like our best fans. <laughs> the talk um, of us the most are just about all wrestling people. Um, yeah, pretty much. Um, but yeah, so they they have a long thread. Um, it's very entertaining, um, and we suggest you guys check it out. Yeah. Also, Grant Grant Morse. Oh yes. Messages said he was enjoying the episode and that. He laughed. Um, he thought it was funny that we made fun of his name and that we shouldn't feel bad. Um, I do feel bad. I do. He wasn't serious um, of saying that we made fun of his name. It wasn't a big deal for him. Um, but thanks, Grant, for reaching out again. Yeah. Really yeah, appreciate it. Um, yeah. So, yeah, we just, man, there's so much to enjoy out in the world right now. Like, there really is. Like, just go do it. Go enjoy something. <laughs> Yeah, lots to enjoy. Preferably something ethical, but you know. Yeah, and I'm sure if we like sat down and looked at all the things we've talked about, I, I know last week talking about Diablo, like there's a whole mess of oh, things yes. kind of around that one. So I don't think, you know, nothing is really truly clean, right? If you trace it all back, BlackRock probably owns everything. So um, it's true. But just enjoy the things. Although, if you research the CEO of BlackRock, he's kind of a cool guy who's against, like, corporate consolidation, which is real weird considering that he's the CEO of BlackRock. You know, that's just what he's supposed to say, Chance. You just bought into it. I may have. Cheap. I may be cheap. I can't even look at you. Um, but yeah, go out there and enjoy something. And, you know, the, the um, writers and actors are saying, like, still support the work. Um, so you support local theater. So go see Barbie and Oppenheimer. Go do it. Do a Barbenheimer. Um, I could have done that today. You should have. I didn't though. Um, I can't right now because my wife just had surgery yesterday. It's on her ankle. She's fine. If you're like, oh, Chance's wife, I, w- I want to know if she's good. Um, it was on her ankle. Um, surgery went very well. Um, apparently, she- apparently when they went in, they realized she really needed it. Um, she was a little worried that she was wasting their time, um, but no, she's not. And when I told her all the things she fixed, she goes, oh, not only did I need it, I'm kind of a superhero. I'm like, yeah, <laughs> For pushing through all of that. <laughs> so proud of you. You so, said right um, Yeah. Well, I'll, I will. I'll give her your, your pride. <laughs> yeah. Um, so if you have tried out any of these things, that we've mentioned last week and have tried now or anything. So we mentioned this week and you're like, you know, I read some of legends and lattes or I checked out, um, dogma data over dogma. Um, and I wish to let you know, or here's something else kind of like that, that I enjoy again, hit us up, Twitter, Instagram threads, um, email. Yeah. All those just, an, just an update after last week. Um, I am now fully caught up on common writer geeks. A new episode drops tonight, but, um, I am all but caught up. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's incredible. It is 100% worth your, worth your time. Like, even if you're like, oh, I don't, that doesn't sound interesting to me. Like, just the emotions there, the the characters, it's so good. Try, watch Common Rider Geeks, everyone out there. Also, my wife and I beat Borderlands 3, and I played a lot more Diablo 4, and I'm having a great time. Good. I mean, beating Borderlands 3 is like, that doesn't mean anything. You just keep going. Yes. We keep trying to win this arena thing that is super difficult. Um, 
But we just keep going and we make a lot of money because our enemies drop a lot of guns that we can sell. But we've gotten some good stuff out of it too. Because again, the guns in that game are really good. Yeah. I I just got a shotgun in two. I, I am not very far in, so this isn't that cool. But after I ran out of ammo the first time, I threw it. And I was like, what just happened? Mm-hmm. Why on earth did that just happen? And then it popped out again. And the one I threw exploded. And I'm like, huh. Yep, that's a that's TDR pretty, for you. That's pretty unique. Yeah. I could tell you about all the different gun companies. Don't. I want to be surprised like I was that okay. time. But TDR, that's what they do. When you reload, you throw it and it. And that and two, they just blow up. And three, they do a lot of they can do a lot of different things. Sometimes they will just bounce around and just keep shooting. Um, sometimes they'll turn into little mechs that will follow you around and like shoot. Um, yeah. Sarah had one that was as long as you had the gun out, it would send out a little drone that would fly around and shoot alongside you. Um, okay. so it, it, I mean three especially gets super wild, but two, two is super great. Yeah, I did some research before I started um, whether or not I wanted to start with two or three. Mm-hmm. Uh, but everything said two is a better game. Like, yeah, two story is better. Um, I feel like yeah, just it three gets there, but two just I think feels really good just from this mm-hmm. from the jump. I played a little bit of one this week. Doesn't feel very good. <laughs> well, you and I beat like a fourth of one. Uh-huh. Came to visit me one time. Yeah. Um, and I, I kept going after after you left for a good long time. So I, I didn't feel like picking one back up again. Uh-huh. It, 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 and I wouldn't recommend it, honestly. I just yeah. think it, it feels it feels clunky. And why would you subject yourself to that when you could play something smoother like two? Yeah. So that's what that's what I've been playing. I've played it for like two and a half hours. So not very far. Nice. I'm attacking a dragon stronghold. Oh, yeah. That's fun. Um, the boss of that can be kind of tough. Yeah. And I... I didn't know that this seemed like kind of the main quest of this area. So there's still quite a few quests I need to go back and do. Uh-huh. And you can. Um, yeah, and I will. I just, you know, I got kind of wrapped up in this. And, like, halfway through, I'm like, this isn't just some random, like, go here quest. Yeah, no. Typically, if there's the little exclamation point, that means it's a side quest. Like, the little yellow exclamation point is a side quest. Um, I think that's all the Borderlands tips that I have. There you go. For our listeners today, um, a recap, check out Data Over Dogma. Read some Brandon Sanderson Stormlight Archives or Legends and Lattes. You could play some Brotato um, or join join us in some Common Rider or Borderlands fun. Yeah. Yeah. We'll keep updating you with what we've tried and what we haven't. Um, you know, uh, if I'm going to play Borderlands right now, I might, I might download a Brando Sando book and try it again while I'm playing. Maybe you should. Maybe I'll listen to this episode with Mary and Martha. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Elizabeth Schrader is a great episode. So, or if you just see a topic that you think sounds more interesting. Yeah. Just go for that. They did last week. Their entire episode was on um, the fact that God um, has regret and admits that he made a mistake in Genesis six. Oh, <laughs> how about that? Um, I texted you when I was listening to that one. You did. You did. You did. Um, but I think at this point, that's all I've got. That's all I've got. So from all of us here at Boy Meets World Fever, so long, world. So long, world. So long, world.